Hi, I'm Rachel Monteleone and welcome to Kittypedia, the podcast. I'm not an expert. However, I do speak with them with the view of providing you with expert information and advice to help you be the best parent that you can be. Together, let's give children the life they deserve and a positive future. Hello and welcome. Well, if you're expecting or are a new mum with general questions about the health benefits of breastfeeding, then you're in the right place. Now, today we're speaking with one of our partners here at Kittypedia and just an all-round beautiful human being. Now, she's also a well-known industry expert and thought leader, um, and she's a leading pre- and postnatal dietitian. And today she's going to be answering the top 20 questions new mums ask while breastfeeding. So today we are so thrilled to be Introducing Melanie McGrice, and she is also an advanced accredited practicing dietitian and one of the few dietitians in Australia to have achieved that status. Now, Melanie's success has made her an in demand practitioner, author, and conference speaker who is always eager to share what she knows with clients and her peers. Now, she's a go to resource for the media who is frequently, uh, I guess, turned to for, um, I guess, news and um, different sort of media segments on nutrition, fertility, pregnancy, and women's health. Melanie, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? (laughs) Thank you, Rachel. I'm a bit humbled by that introduction, but thank you. Well, it's just, just, I'm humbled actually, as I always have been, to be in partnership with you also because, I mean, if anyone watching and listening will recognize your face and they would have seen you on so many different, um, you know, current affair and news segments as a thought leader and an industry expert as well. So, you know, for us to be able to, uh, and we've had a few um, sort of interviews. This is the first podcast interview that we've had with you. Um, but, um, it's just really great to sort of to catch up and, and uh, you know, we sort of publish your stuff every month and, and circulate your bits and pieces, but just lovely to be catching up and uh, speaking with you. And um, particularly on this, this topic also, because, you know, I guess a mother's decision between choosing um, to breastfeed and or to feed their baby formula no, it has always been a long point of contention for many years. Um, for many mothers, breastfeeding, I guess, isn't always possible also, so it's not always their choice not to breastfeed. Um, however, you know, the health benefits of breastfeeding are widely documented for the baby as well as a mother. So, you know, as a leading pre- and postnatal dietitian, i just love to know like, what your thoughts are on this. Yeah, look, it is really difficult. Um, and... Uh, Everyone knows that best is breast. Better breast is best. <laughs> um, it's a bit of a tongue twister there. Um, you know the the research uh, that there's so much research now that really showcases the benefits of breastfeeding, and so we always want to encourage mums to breastfeed <laughs> where possible. But the reality. On the flip side is that some mums are unable to breastfeed for whatever reason. Um, And so we certainly don't want to be judging um, because you never know what a mum has gone through. And so it's really important not to judge, but just to encourage them. And unless you know their full story um, and are there to provide that specific guidance to that person, then it's best to uh, keep your opinions to yourself, if you ask me. (laughs) I totally agree with you. Totally agree. Now, I just mm. wanted to reference that we published your article uh, titled Your Top Breastfeeding Questions Answered. Now, for someone who hasn't read the article yet, can you please tell us what it's about and what inspired you to write it? Um, 
really, I just wanted to make a practical resource for uh, mums who are breastfeeding. Um, and I guess as a dietitian, I get so many, I'm inundated with questions, um, both over social media and also from mums in my consultations. And so I just wanted to provide a really uh, quick and easy resource with where people can look at the questions that they commonly have or that um, maybe somebody else had that maybe they haven't even thought about that question but it gets them thinking so just a really practical resource that's going to help mums out there who are breastfeeding awesome and you know with being a new parent there's undoubtedly like just countless questions the parents ask um, when raising their children and feeding their child obviously would be one of the most and possibly the most important questions Um, Mm. so today we're really thrilled to talk through um, what you see as being sort of you know the top sort of 15 to 20 questions in this rapid Q&A session type sort of um, interview. So I'd love to maybe start with question number one um, and let's just sort of shoot through all of them. But um, once again, these, for anyone watching and listening, these are also in Melanie's article, which we will have a link in the show notes. But starting with question number one, you know, what are the health benefits of breastfeeding for mothers and babies? Yeah, well, I think one of the things that I am so amazed with about breastfeeding is the fact that breast milk actually changes as children grow and develop, which is just incredible. So as your baby gets older, the macronutrient composition of breast milk actually changes. Mm-hmm. And and even during the time of day, the um, composition of breast milk changes. And even during the feed, um, the composition of breast milk changes. So that wow. at the end of the feed, um, which is we call it the hind milk, um, it's actually uh, higher in fat um, just to start to help our babies get enough um, calories at the end of their feed so that our babies are getting exactly what they need. So I just think that's absolutely incredible. And I don't know how any formula company is going to be able to replicate that. So it just, it, you know, it shows how incredible breast milk is. And then on top of that, uh, there are all sorts of incredible compounds in breast milk, things like cytokines and um, antimicrobial factors, which really help to support. Oh, sorry. (laughs) All sorts of of compounds um, in breast milk that really help to support immunity. So not only is it incredibly nutritious, but um, it's immune boosting as well. So just um, the best food ever for new babies. So I just want to just just slightly just expand on the fact that the breast milk, the composition actually changes. Why is that? Why why does, I mean, other than at the end of the feed that the, it has more fat in, is there any other reason? Um, look, uh, well, as babies grow, um, so if we, I guess it's the same way that if you look at formulas, mm-hmm. um, we have most formula companies will have a stage one, a stage two, and a stage three. So their formula companies have tried to replicate um, breast milk changes in that respect. In that, as babies grow, their nutritional needs change. Mm-hmm. So um, they may they go through stages where they need more iron. They go through stages where they need uh, less protein and more fat, and vice versa. Um, so, um, yeah, because their, their their needs change because they're growing at such an incredibly fast pace mm-hmm. um, in these first in this first year of life. So, yeah, their needs will change throughout this period of time, and it's just to give them the correct uh, nutrients for those changing needs. It's fascinating. 
All right, let's jump on to question number two. What are some of the health consequences of not breastfeeding? Um, well, I think, first of all, we do need to applaud the formula companies because they, they do really work hard to provide the best possible nutrition available. Um, but saying that uh, there are epidemiological studies, so population studies, um, that have found that breast that non-breastfed babies have a higher risk of um, infectious diseases, higher risk of childhood obesity, um, diabetes, uh, leukemia, and sudden infant death syndrome. So we do know <laughs> that uh, that essentially breastfed babies have less health risks than non-breastfed babies. Mm, okay. Next question. Is there a connection between starting formula too early and issues with allergies and eczema? Uh, yeah. So again, we know that breast milk is really protective against allergies and eczema. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's why it's so beneficial. And, and I believe that a lot of that is down to um, the uh, immune benefits that we were talking about earlier that we get in breast milk mm -hmm. um, and obviously again formula companies are trying to replicate it as much as possible replicate those immune benefits mm -hmm. um, and so much money is being spent on research uh, into formula to help to replicate these but at the moment we do know that um, that breastfed babies are less likely to have eczema and allergy problems than than formula fed babies so um, it particularly like we know that it's beneficial for everyone but particularly if you if your baby is at high risk of allergies or eczema because you or the baby's dad have a family history of, of that mm -hmm. um, that's just another reason to try to persevere as long as you can awesome okay question number three how common is it for mothers to have issues with breastfeeding uh really common um so the stats in australia are that 96% of Australian mothers initiate breastfeeding, which is just awesome. Um, it's fantastic that so many mums are starting off breastfeeding. Um, but less than half, so about nearly 40%, are still being exclusively breastfed at three months of age. So what we see is a rapid drop-off um, in, in those first couple of months, even before babies start solids. Um, and so it's because breastfeeding can be uh, challenging for some mums yes um, some of the most common reasons include lack of time um, you know if you're being woken up during the night uh, for babies wanting a feed every two hours it's exhausting um, whereas you, you know you put your baby onto the bottle and dad can take over some of those feeds and and mum can get some sleep so um you know, I get how hard it is. Uh, and then another common reason is confusion. So mum's feeling that their baby isn't getting adequate calories and so moving over to formula so that they feel like they can control the amount of calories that their baby is getting uh, with more of a prescription instead of relying on their breast milk alone. Um, yeah, sorry. You no, right. no, I was just going to say I, um, I understand also that having the correct breastfeeding chair um, as well is something that's quite important because that then can affect um, how the baby attaches to the breast, which if that, if that angle isn't correct, that that can then actually sort of um, lead to mastitis and a few other sort of issues as well. Have you heard about yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. So, I mean, doing so many of these interviews, you've been an expert yourself. Um, so, you know, that area is not my expertise, but I do know from a nutrition perspective that what we eat and drink has a really big impact upon um, our, uh, our, um, on our milk supply. Uh, and so things like if you're dehydrated, um, which a lot of mums struggle to remember to drink adequate Stay fluid because they're, yes. so many, because they're so tired and um, and they're so busy that it, yeah, it becomes really difficult to remember to stop to drink hmm. um, and that that can actually have an it's one of the many things that can have an impact upon your milk supply. So that's one kind of really basic tip that makes a really big difference. As well. Okay. Next question. What advice and education is given and provided around breastfeeding, in particular if you haven't breastfed before? Um, yeah, so um, I think mums are always encouraged to breastfeed, which is great, and lactation support is available. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would really encourage anybody who is struggling to go and please reach out. So with the um, whether it's your GP, whether it's a lactation specialist, whether it's a pharmacist, whether it's a dietitian, um, but really, uh, yeah, I would encourage people to to reach out if they do have further questions around yes. breastfeeding. Particularly, um, like I said, one of the most common reasons for mums to stop breastfeeding is thinking that they're not that their baby isn't getting adequate calories, um, and so sometimes it can be just some some small tweaks into the way that you're breastfeeding. So uh, doing some things like um, block feeding and things like that can make a really big difference. Mm. Another interview I did recently as well is just um, having the partner um, support um, the mother in the breastfeeding in every way, shape, shape or form. Oh. Even it's just, and the, the um, there is a sharp decline um, historically when the mother hasn't mm. felt supported Um in any way, shape, or form, like emotionally, and even just so to to be able to provide, as, as you said, the inf- like um, <laughs> water, drink, snacks, those types of things as well. Yeah. To be able to, you know, uh, and and expressing is is a great opportunity also to be able to give a mother an opportunity for a, a, like maybe a longer sleep and those types of things, especially within that first six to eight week period as well. So support from the partner is something that can definitely help contribute to the mother continuing the breastfeeding on for a longer period of time um and oh, i would wholeheartedly concur with that and um, the research shows over and over again that if a mum has a supportive network around her who are encouraging her to breastfeed she is much more likely to breastfeed than um if people are saying to her oh look don't worry about it you know um, yeah formula is just as yeah, and I think it's one of those things too that sometimes the partner in the relationship doesn't necessarily feel um, as connected to the to the baby in the earlier stages, definitely in that first six to eight week period, and it gives the 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 the, 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 the father or the partner the opportunity to have that bonding as well to be able to to provide support in that way. So it's just I guess guess food for thought as well. But anyway. Next question. Um, what are some of the common problems that women have with breastfeeding? For example, like, um, you know, sort of sort of uh, issues with cracked and sore nipples and those types of things. So I just wanted to expand on that a little bit. Yeah, look, um, they're definitely some of the most common problems um, is cracked and sore nipples. Um, mastitis is, a, is another really big one. Um, and then uh, babies have a lot of problems as well. So some of the most 
common problems that I guess I see as a dietitian tend to be things around reflux and lactose overload. Um, so babies crying a lot uh, and um, colic. Uh, so um, allergies as well is something that I see a lot of. Um, so where mums put those down to breastfeeding um, and they can be reasons for mothers to, to stop breastfeeding. So again, um, they're all things that not 100% of the time can be treated, but often they can be. Um, and so I guess I would really encourage mums to look for solutions first before giving up breastfeeding if you possibly can. Um, so, yeah, sorry. And can reflux be pre- prevented at all? For babies, yeah. Um, so, so maybe not so much prevented but more treated. And I think one of the most common reasons that we see in reflux is actually overfeeding. Mm. Um, so by doing some um, some timed feeding can actually make a really big difference. So just feeding out mm-hmm. one full breast um, and then the next feed, feeding out the next full breast um, so that the baby is actually getting a little bit less milk until they get over that lactose overload mm-hmm. um, and then get back into pattern again. And then you can go back on, onto the feeding on demand. Um, mm-hmm. Something like that can sometimes make a really big difference for babies. I remember one of our um, previous um, interviews um, must have been a couple of years ago now that you were mentioning keeping a diary for certain things. Um, mm. That particular interview ages ago was about uh, the, the the weight gain with mothers and just ensuring that they sort of keep on top of just how much weight they're sort of putting on, ensuring it's just, you know, all relative um, to mm. the baby's growth. But do you mm. have any advice um, with regards to mothers keeping a breastfeeding diary with regards to each feed? I and mean, if, say, for example, she finishes feeding on one side um, and then to start on that side again or anything like that yeah. at all yeah um you can get they call them often breastfeeding bracelets you don't necessarily have to have one of those though you could just mm-hmm. literally use a hairband or something along those lines or a bracelet or a ribbon whatever you've got um and then so what mums do will though that is that they'll put it put the bracelet on the wrist corresponding to the breast that they fed at that feed um, and then you can change over for the next feed just so that you know where you're at uh, yes. to help you keep track. Um, you can definitely, there's, yeah, you can definitely keep a, a diary. It doesn't have to be a fancy diary. It might just be a sheet of paper on the bed, uh, bits where you can put some ticks and crosses or some notes for yourself um, or else there's a lot of apps available these days. Um, I think one of the things, particularly for perfectionist mums, is perfectionist mums feel like they have to fill out every little detail on if there's an app. Um, I would really encourage you that when you've got a newborn baby, it's not the time to be a perfectionist. It's <laughs> time to go, what do I really need? <laughs> and and so, um, yeah, just asking yourself these questions around what's most important. Like, what do I need to know? What's going to actually make a difference in this yes. situation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And recording those details. And the only other question I was just going to ask is why is it important to be able to keep track of these things when breastfeeding? So, for example, like with, you know, if you say you finish um, feeding on, on, your, on your right breast to, to continue the, the next feed starting on that breast. Um, well, that can really help in terms of reducing the risk of mastitis um, is one thing. Um, and then secondly, it can help in terms of your milk supply. So. Mm-hmm. Um, just yeah again providing the right amount of milk to your baby um yeah can make a big difference there 
Great. Okay, here we go. Next question. What are some of the common products that parents and mothers can use um, with breast care and comfort during sort of the early stages and or throughout their breastfeeding sort of uh, sort of time? Um, so there are some probiotics available that can be beneficial, mm-hmm. um, particularly when, we, when it comes to talking about the risk of mastitis. Um, so the particular strains that you're looking for there are the Lactobacillus gasseri um, or the Lactobacillus salivaris. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, yeah, and if you just go to the chemist and speak to them about getting um, a probiotic that is suitable for reducing the risk of, of mastitis. So particularly if you've had mastitis before, um, mm-hmm. it can be a worthwhile uh, probiotic to take um, while you're breastfeeding. As well. Okay, great. Yes. Oh, sorry. I find a lot of, sorry, I was just going to say, I find a lot of mums ask me as well about uh, like lactation cookies and um, and foods to increase milk supply. Um, I guess my thought there is uh, just like, yes, lactation cookies can be helpful, but Mm -hmm. sometimes they're just an excuse to have a cookie. Um, And we have to remember that the, the foods, um, that we that people commonly talk about to increase uh, milk supply mm-hmm. actually don't have a lot of research behind them. So most of it is more anecdotal. Um, and so, yeah, I get I just encourage people not to like lactation cookies aren't the be all and end all. They don't make all of the difference. What's going to make a much bigger difference is actually eating small regular meals throughout the day, having foods that have a low glycemic index to be able to provide that um, slow energy release of Mm -hmm. carbohydrates um, and having plenty of hydration. That's what's going to make the biggest, yeah, absolutely. Because breast milk is, the majority is fluid um, Mm -hmm. and then followed by fluid, it's carbohydrates. Um, Another common question, which I'm not sure if I mentioned in this article or not, but a lot of people... um, ask about protein shakes and are really um, wanting to get onto high-protein foods when they're breastfeeding, thinking mm-hmm. that breast milk is really high in protein. Breast milk um, is actually quite low in protein, which is contrary to what most people think. Uh, and so you don't need a lot of protein while you're breastfeeding. You actually need much more carbohydrate. That's um, really so, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, next question. If able, how long should a mother breastfeed for? And is there a minimum time for health optimization? Yeah. So in an ideal world, you should aim to breastfeed exclusively until solids are introduced, um, which the recommendations for introducing solids is between four to six months. Mm-hmm. Um, and then continue breastfeeding through until at least 12, so partial breastfeeding um, and through until at least 12 months of age if possible. Awesome. All right, next question. At which point is a baby weaned to formula? And is it uh, a necessity to wean uh, to formula until uh, the baby is able to consume solids? Um, I think this is a really important question and I get it a lot and I think there's a lot of um, just misunderstanding out there mm-hmm. in the community. So you don't need to wean your baby onto formula at all. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, think about other societies that don't have access to formula and 
and yes and people of years gone by who didn't have formula I mean even my parents generation um, there was no formula when my mum was a little girl uh, and so you know it's it's a relatively new concept so you definitely don't have to wean to formula um, you can we were talking about earlier you can choose to uh, start expressing um, which uh, obviously, it have some benefits, if particularly if you want to get dad more involved. Um, but you only need formula if you're unable to breastfeed. Okay, great. Next question. If a mum is really struggling with breastfeeding, what advice is typically given around formula? Um, so, yeah, if you are really struggling with breastfeeding, then um, then it you know formula is definitely an option to be considered. and rather than just starting formula yourself i mm-hmm. guess i personally would highly encourage you to get some advice from a healthcare professional and particularly from a postnatal dietitian um, because postnatal dietitians can help you to work out what's going to be the best formula for your baby um, based on your family history and your diet and baby's dad's family history and and uh, and there are a lot of different formulas out there on the market, uh, so it can be quite tricky to choose. Um, and so a postnatal dietitian is somebody who can help you give to get some guidance around that to see what's going to be the best choice for you. Um, and also, um, even before that stage, is just to think about, right, is there anything else that can be done um, before moving on to formula? And so, again, your postnatal dietitian can help you with that. Um, but it can sometimes also be helpful to speak to a lactation consultant or um, your maternal child health nurse, people along those lines who um, might be able to just help you problem solve before moving on to a formula. So in saying that, which is my next question, how does a mum know what sort sort of formula is best for her baby then? Oh, yeah. So sorry, I kind of answered that already, didn't I? Yeah, that's okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, there certainly are so many different types available. Um, and uh, and so and so many different brands as well. So there's different types of formula. Um, everything from, um, you know, is it going to be cow's milk based? Is it going to be goat's milk? Is it going to be soy? Um, so what what's actually the base of the formula? Um, and then you've got formulas with added omega three and formulas with added mm. oligosaccharides and uh, different prebiotics and all different um, key nutrients. Uh, so there's a huge range out there um, and at the end of the day it, it really comes down to your like I said your family history and your partner's family history the health of your baby um, and then your diet as well so uh, for example if if you have a baby who um, doesn't have any allergies and is really healthy um basically we will, we will tailor it depending upon yeah the, 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 the history and that sort of stuff yeah yes, that's right i just wanted to ask also at what point would a mum know if goat's milk formula is right for her baby as well yeah so um again i think it's a good question to be asking your postnatal dietitian um so goat milk formulas tend to have a bit less lactose in them than a cow's milk formula. Uh, so if um, your baby is having a bit of tummy upset, uh, then it might be a better choice. It, like, it might be a formula to consider. 
Mm-hmm. Is goat's milk formula better for allergies as well? Uh, it can be. It depends how severe the allergy is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you just, the, I mean, it's always tricky talking about allergies because there's actually such a huge range of different types of allergies. Of course. Um, and also different, um, like you don't either have an allergy or don't have an allergy. It's not so black and white. You can actually have uh, um, different, uh, um, what am I trying to say, different sort of propensities towards it, so um, different risks. So some babies have really severe allergies um, and can have anaphylactic reactions, whereas others have a really mild allergy. All right, cool. The next question, and getting back to about um, the mother and the mother eating as well, how many, um, sorry, how many additional calories should a mother be eating whilst breastfeeding? Yeah, so it depends a bit on, um, on the mum's preconception weight and how much, she's ga- how much weight she's gained throughout her pregnancy. Mm-hmm. But essentially you can, most mums tend to burn around 2,000 kilojoules um, per day from breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. So, um, so if you're trying to, so if you're a mum who is just losing weight so quickly um, and, and breastfeeding and really struggling to maintain your weight, then you you might actually need to eat an additional two thousand kilojoules just to maintain your weight and to stop you from losing too much excess weight. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, um, if you're a mum who is um, who is maintaining all of her pregnancy weight and actually not losing it, uh, then you might need to adjust a little bit there as well. So it really changes from mum to mum, but essentially you, you can expect that you're going to be burning around 2,000 kilojoules a day if you are exclusively breastfeeding. Okay, fantastic. Next question, should a mum um, take a nutritional supplement whilst breastfeeding? Um, so. Often, yes. Um, I, I do think like it's a time where uh, you are using up a lot of nutrition. Um, so I think that it can be really advantageous to have a nutritional supplement whilst breastfeeding. Um, the most important nutrient for most mums tends to be iodine. Uh, it does depend a little bit on where you live because um, iodine is a nutrient that we get from the sand and the soil sorry, sand and soil, the soil and the sea. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, uh, so foods that are grown on trees and in the ground and, um, and also seafood, so um, fish and algae and so forth. Um, so, uh, but in Australia, we do have significant issues with iodine deficiency. So for most mums, considering an iodine supplement throughout uh, breastfeeding can be a really good idea. Um, it also depends, though, if you do have some thyroid issues because um, iodine can impact upon your thyroid. So it's a really good idea to get some personally tailored advice. Um, another second key nutrient that a lot of mums need to take is vitamin D. Mm-hmm. Um, vitamin D can have a really big impact upon your baby's future uh, health. And we were talking before about risk of allergies and intolerances. Um, so vitamin D, there's um, emerging research emerging research to suggest that it may play a role in that as well um, and vitamin d is uh, deficiency is quite common particularly in the more southern states like victoria and tasmania uh, so that's something that's worth checking as well 
And how about um, some of the other prenatal supplements and postnatal supplements that um, some of them are powder-based and I've seen quite a few of them um, as well. Uh, and, and a lot of them um, sort of claim to, to have a lot of all the nutritional benefits that the mother needs sort of um, after the birth of the baby to help sort of supplement her own um, n- nutritional needs also. What are your thoughts on those? Yeah, look, um, there, uh, there's such a huge range of different supplements now, everything from of course. capsules to tablets to powders to shakes to all sorts of things. Um, at the end of the day, like the form that you take it in usually doesn't bother me too much. It's more about the actual nutrients that you're getting. Um, mm-hmm. And you do need to be a little bit careful um, because sometimes, particularly with powders and things, again, sometimes they can have added protein, which you don't actually want. Uh, during breastfeeding for most mums unless they have a protein deficiency maybe if they're following a vegan diet or something along those lines Um, but yeah so you do need to look at the other ingredients that are in the capsule or or powder Um, Mm -hmm. but most of the time and yeah most of the time it's and I wanted to ask also because some of the supplements, um, and I'm not going to name names with brands, but there are some in the market that are well-known brands, but they're, they're synthetic-based nutrients where some of them are pure, just natural, organic supplements um, in the market too. I'll leave the listeners and the watchers, you know, um, the audience to be able to, to make their own decision and, and do their own research because I don't want to name names here, but I just wanted to ask your opinion on the difference between the synthetic um sort of products in the market to to the more natural based ones as well yeah um look being a dietitian i always prefer natural where possible Mm -hmm. um but saying that when it comes to supplements like sometimes you actually need synthetic things because there's a reason why people um aren't absorbing that particular nutrient or something along those lines so you actually need a synthetic uh version of the nutrient that is absorbed further down the um the biological pathway uh so um yeah again the uh, i hate sitting on the fence but at the same time um that's kind of the reality of it is that it is different from person to person of course you need to get what's right for you and that actually ranges quite significantly yes Okay, next question. Um, are there any foods that can help promote the production of breast milk? Now, we were speaking about the um, the lactation cookies before, but is there anything else? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, we were talking about the lactation cookies. Um, there are some, like there's a little bit of research behind a few different foods and compounds. So fenugreek is probably the most common and the most popular. I get asked about that a lot. Um, and there is actually a little bit of research to suggest that that might be helpful. So that's actually a supplement. Um, it can be added to some foods, but uh, that can help with milk supply. And the next one would be oats. Um, so it's also a, um, it got a little bit of research behind it, but whether it's beneficial or not, it's actually a really nutritious food to be having whilst breastfeeding anyway. So I'd really encourage um, the consumption of oats whilst breastfeeding that hopefully will help with milk supply, but is also a really going to be a great nutritious food to choose. Great. Now the next question about food is should a mum avoid allergens such as wheat, cow's milk, eggs, and of course I want to ask about nuts whilst breastfeeding? Uh, 
No, not unless you really can't tolerate them yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so the current current research and current guidelines is that you actually want to be having them regularly, so mm-hmm. having allergens regularly um, during pregnancy and whilst breastfeeding to build up your baby's immune tolerance to those mm-hmm. allergens. Um, and of course, uh, peanuts is probably the most important because um, anaphylactic reactions to peanuts are so common now. Mm-hmm. And so um, by having them, uh, usually we recommend three times a week if possible um, throughout your pregnancy and breastfeeding, um, that can really help to build up your baby's immune tolerance to to peanuts and reduce their risk of anaphylactic reaction. And how much is this like when you're saying three times a week, like two pieces of toast with peanut butter on it or a handful of nuts type of thing? Yeah, that- that's right. So, yeah, a serve is 30 grams, um, which is a small handful. Awesome. All righty. Next one, do mums need to increase their protein intake whilst bre- breastfeeding? Oh, we actually talked about that one a bit earlier. Yeah, we did. Um, yeah, so n- no, you actually um, you actually can decrease your protein intake compared to when you're pregnant, um, when you're breastfeeding. So obviously you still need to meet your protein requirements. So mm. you don't want to have no protein, um, but you don't need very much. So you, uh, if you're having your the basic recommendations of two serves of your meat or meat alternatives, um, which is um, some, say, some chicken or fish or eggs or um, tofu or uh, legumes or nuts. They're your meat alternatives. Um, so two serves of those a day um, and then your two to three servings of dairy a day, uh, then you'll easily meet your protein requirements for breastfeeding. Brilliant. Okay, next question. Um, is it okay for a mum to snack uh, during the night while she's breastfeeding? Uh, yeah, look, that's another really common question that I get is should you be doing that to maintain your milk supply during the night? You actually don't need to be snacking during the night to maintain your milk supply um, unless you have a really low milk supply and you've lost heaps of weight and you're really trying to get your calories up. Mm-hmm. But then for most mums, like that would be the exception to the rule. Um, most mums, I would encourage them not to be snacking during the night. Um, but to try to get their body onto a schedule of eating during the day and and then sleeping as much as possible during the night as well. And, um, you know, for babies, it, it is actually possible for them to start sleeping through the night from six weeks when uh, their cycles kick in. So um, I know like a lot of mums go, oh, I don't even want to hear that because that hasn't happened to me. Um, but uh, but yeah, it is. And so the more that you can get your body back into that routine of eating during the day and sleeping at night um, and put those expectations onto your baby, the more likely you are to be able to get a, a good night's sleep as well. And is there anything diet related that could help a baby to be able to sleep right throughout the night following the first initial six to week period at all? Yeah. Um, so like a lot of it moves into um, more like light and dark cycles and, and uh-huh. things along those lines. But from a food perspective, um, you don't want to be having anything that's really spicy or um, be- particularly for before bed. Uh, so probably that's the main thing um, is that you want to be avoiding really mm. spicy foods that are going to keep your baby awake and, and uh, needing pooey nappy changes. All right, next question. Should mums try to diet and lose weight whilst they're breastfeeding? Uh, not while you're breastfeeding exclusively. So I mm-hmm. 
usually, so most mums are going to are going to be naturally losing weight um, just through the act of breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Um, as we were saying before, you know, you're burning about two thousand kilojoules a day when you're exclusively breastfeeding. So most mums tend to lose a lot of weight when they're breastfeeding anyway. Um, um, so I would encourage mums not to diet uh, in inverted commas per se, um, but just to eat really healthily. Um, and then if you feel that you're not um, losing the weight that you want to, then then when you've finished breastfeeding, that's when you can focus on dieting again. But yeah, I'd really encourage mums not to, like just to focus on eating healthily, but not to focus on actually dieting and really limiting their calorie intake because limiting your calorie intake can have a big impact upon your breast milk supply. I've read also that breastfeeding can help the body naturally lose weight also. Is that true? Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, I guess, what I was just saying. So mm. it, when you're breastfeeding, you, you're burning 2,000 kilojoules a day. Um, so you're going to be losing weight from that because, like, that's essentially, uh, for most people, that's like a two-hour walk that you're doing a day. Um, a lot, or yes. Yeah, that's right. So so you're, you're just the act of breastfeeding, you tend to be burning up a lot of calories as well. And last question, mm. is it okay to still have coffee and wine whilst breastfeeding? I'm sure there's lots of mums that want to know this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, look, the answer is kind of yes and no. So you can, but we do need to remember that they're going to get into your breast milk. Um, and so you do want to time when you have them. Um, uh, and so um, I guess I would encourage mums to avoid them as much as you can, um, but at the same time, yeah, you don't have to avoid them entirely. But if you are going to have some coffee or wine, make sure that you do it straight after a feed so that it has time to move through your breast milk so that it's not going to bother your baby um, by the time you get to your next feed. Brilliant. So if mums have any more questions um, about what they should be eating whilst breastfeeding, um, what should they do? Um, I would really encourage them to contact a, a, a postnatal nutrition, a postnatal nutritionist, postnatal dietitian. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've got a team of dietitians that they're welcome to see. Um, there's lots of dietitians in the group who can provide some great advice on this. Um, mm-hmm. So they can either go to my website, which is melaniemcgrice.com um, and go to the book now section, uh, or else they can go to the Nutrition Plus website, nutritionplus.com.au um, and see um, our whole team of dietitians there. Uh, but yeah, or else just type into Google and um, I'm sure that you'll be able to find a postnatal dietitian near you. Awesome. Well, we've sort of got through the 20 questions um, and answered lots of um, different... Rapid fire. (laughs) As well, is there any key messages that you want for anyone watching and listening at all? Any key Um, takeaways? Yeah, look, I think the the main thing is that uh, I still find a a lot of parents haven't heard about the first thousand days. Um, And so essentially the first thousand days is the lead up to conception, the time during pregnancy and breastfeeding and when we're introducing solids so that first thousand days of life and during that period of time is when a baby's genes actually being programmed and the emerging research suggests that the pro- programming of genes actually has a bigger impact on, upon a baby's future than the genes that they're born with so this first thousand days is the most important time in their whole life um, for setting up 
yeah, their genetic programming. Um, so the impact of a nutritionist or a dietitian during this period of time is so incredibly important. So, um, yeah, I'd really encourage um, parents to have an appointment with a dietitian during this first thousand days, at least one, uh, to find out what you're going to need to do for your family and get your advice personally tailored. So, so just clarifying the first thousand days, how many days in the lead up prior to conception is that, Melanie? Well, there's actually a lot of debate about that. So that's a, um, a really good question, Rachel. Um, I personally believe that it's a good idea to be seeing someone around about six months for most couples but before they start trying to conceive. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it depends again a little bit. If you've got some really, if you've got a complex history um, of medical conditions, then you might want to see a dietitian even a bit earlier. But yeah, usually around six months before conceiving, because we need to remember that the egg and the sperm, um, they're what's going to provide your baby with the with their genetic material. So you want mm. to really optimize the health of your eggs and your sperm before even conception. And how many days post-birth does a thousand days generally sort of it usually goes up to around two years of age. Wow, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a really important time. So if anyone's got any other questions, whereabouts can they find you again? So there's your website, which is amelaniemagrice.com. That's right. Um, Or else I've also got a YouTube channel, um, which is called Nourish with Melanie. Uh, And there's heaps of um, short videos on there, all around about five minutes each that are all research-based. So it's a really good source of credible information. Um, There's interviews and things on there as well. So, yeah, a great source of credible information on nutrition for the first 1,000 days of life. Brilliant. I've absolutely loved our chat and great to catch up. Um, Thank you so much, Melanie, and can't wait for the opportunity to chat with you again in the not-too-distant future. But in the meantime, just stay safe. Take care. (laughs) Thanks, Rach. Bye. Bye. I'm Rachel Monteleone and you've been listening to Kittypedia, the podcast. You can have full access to Kittypedia by visiting our website at kittypedia.com.au or following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube. We're all here to help make the world a better place for our children and for generations to come. You can start today by helping us reach other parents by going to Apple Podcast, subscribe, rate and review this podcast. Thank you for listening and be sure to give my love to the kids. 